This podcast is sponsored by Smartsheet, the cloud-based work management platform and best-kept secret of more than half the Fortune 500 companies. Learn more at smartsheet.com slash cross-cutting concerns. How the app get made, explain your trade, what you love to do every day, the ins and outs of what your code's about, or the passion you know you can't live without. How's your data stored or sorted, transformed or imported? Let's chat a bit at a conference, and if it's cool, may we record it? What framework do you like the best? Explain to us your unit test. Do you have a tip for JavaScript or a dev kit that we can tinker with? A process, a methodology, in-depth, no apologies. Step up your code, stay on your toes, cross-cutting concerns. You're listening to the Crosscutting Concerns podcast. I'm your host, Matt Groves. Please visit the site at crosscuttingconcerns.com where you can subscribe, browse the archives, contact me, read show notes, and leave a comment. I'm recording this podcast on February 26th, 2018. My returning guest today is a software developer, technical evangelist from Microsoft, host of the long-running show Technology and Friends, and pillar of the development community. David Giard, welcome back. Thank you very much. It's good to be referred to as a pillar. (laughs) That sounds like a compliment. It is, definitely. So way back in episode six, we discussed Microsoft's cognitive services, and we didn't cover everything because there's a lot of services there. What can you tell me about custom vision and custom face recognition? Oh, yeah, this is uh, something I've been diving into a lot recently. The, The cognitive services, if you remember... Uh, or if your listeners remember or want to go back and listen, really the, the beauty of cognitive services is they're so simple. So many of them, you just make a web service call and you send it a picture and it sends you back information about that picture. Like, you know, is it a picture of a, a tree with a bird in it? Is it a, are there three faces in there? Uh, what's, give me some information about the face. You know, where's the eyes? Where's the nose? Where's the mouth? Where's, uh, are they male or female? What's their age? Are they happy, sad, angry, uh, whatever? All sorts of information you get just with a simple web service call. It'll even tell you if it's a famous person. So if you give it a picture of, I don't know, Joe Montana, it, it should recognize his face. He's famous enough. But if you give it a picture of you or me, we're kind of geek famous, right? You know, <laughs> We're not famous in terms of the World Wide Web, so uh, it might not recognize us. But imagine if you wanted to use this to recognize people on your team. Maybe you want to use it for authentication and for authorization. So I don't let anybody into this room unless I recognize this picture I take of them. You can actually train it to do that. And then it's a little bit more than a simple web service call, but not much more. It's just a few web services call. And that's where this custom face recognition comes in. This is all available in, if I go to microsoft.com slash cognitive, that's, that's the shortcut I remember. And that takes me to a much longer URL. But in there, under the vision API, we have uh, a face API, and part of the face API is this all this face recognition. So not only will it detect the, where all the faces are, but it will actually detect, it gives us the ability to train on a set of faces. And the way that it works is that we have, we can give, we provide a face group. So in the example of, let's say it's the people that work for your company, you would create a group based on your company, and then you would add all the people that work to that company, and then to each person, you would add pictures of that person. And the more pictures you add, the more accurate this model will be. And once you have all those pictures set up, then you train it. And that training is just a simple web service call. You say, train this group. And it'll take uh, however long it takes. The more faces you have, the longer it'll take. Uh, But I did it on uh, a couple of dozen faces, and it took less than a second. 
And once you have that, then you can send it to another web service. You just send a new face, one that it's never seen before. And if it is similar to somebody in the that it's been trained on, one of these faces has been trained on, it will identify them. It'll even give you a confidence level. Say, you know, I'm 87.2% sure that's a picture of Matt. So, so using this, this is machine learning that you can implement without going through all of the work of machine learning. Machine learning tends to be really hard. You know, it takes lots of data and there's a lot of code to write, but not with this custom face API. And this is all hosted on Azure, is that correct? Exactly. So it's all hosted on Azure. You just, you, you'll need an Azure account to do it, but uh, you can get one for free. And there's a free version of all these APIs if you want to. Uh, the free version is a little bit limited in that you only get X number of calls per, per minute. I think it's like 20 calls a minute. You may want to upgrade to the, the paid version, and the paid version is super cheap. It's like 10 calls for a penny or something like that. If you go to Azure.com, you can get a free trial of Azure and play around with it there. So you already mentioned some use cases. Are there any other interesting use cases you've heard of Microsoft customers using custom vision for? Uber was using it for a secondary identification for their drivers. So if you drive with Uber, the driver actually has, there's been some background check on the driver. That's how, you know, there's some, some sort of vetting process. In order for to ensure that the driver is who we say is, the one that had the background check, typically they'll have to log in to, the, to their phone app in order to pick up drivers. But there's always the chance that I may get approved by Uber and maybe one day I'm tired and I might give you my phone and my password and say, hey, why don't you drive for me tonight and I'll just split the cost with you. Well, that's a problem because nobody's done a background check on you. Why should riders trust you? You know, they, they think that, they're, that you're a vetted driver. Well, another layer of security is the Uber driver app forces the driver to not only log in but to take a picture of himself and compare that against a photo in the database. In fact, it's even smart enough to say, oh, you know, the photo in the database, you're not wearing glasses, but you're wearing glasses now, so it'll tell you, please remove your glasses, so uh, it does a better match. I just recorded an episode with Bill Semf about security, and we talked about using biometrics, like face or fingerprints for authentication. Go back and listen to the episode, but he's not impressed by those, because it's, it's not something you can change, like a password. You can't really change your face. So it's not doesn't make good authentication. So we talked about some examples of I don't know what, what Apple's face thing is, but people holding up masks or people just holding up pictures of a person and defeating that authentication. Any any thoughts on that? I would totally agree that it is is not sufficient. That uh, you really need to have this in combination with some other one. So in, in the case of what Uber's doing, they they still have their password authentication and they have their face authentication. The general rule of security is that uh, there's there's nothing there's no hundred percent security. Um, what you try to do is you try to make breaking security more expensive than whatever value the hacker would obtain by breaking the security. Then you're adding one more level of security to it. Something you know and something you have, that's exactly the phrase that uh, Bill used. So Bill says that it must be right because he's a small <laughs> guy. So how about the custom face recognition you mentioned? I mean, what can I do with images of people's faces beyond just matching a face to a group of faces? Is there anything else I can do interesting? I think uh, like Facebook does this really well. I mean, they're probably not using our service, but notice that uh, if you upload a photo to Facebook and you say tag people in it, it already knows. It has a pretty good idea who it is because it has a lot of pictures of you and your friends. I'm sure it's doing something similar under the hood. You could build something similar to that, where you do auto-tagging of your photographs or auto-tagging of um, other people's photographs. You know, if you're running a, I don't know, a modeling agency or a photo agency or 
taking photos of um, uh, sporting events, you want to categorize them. You know, let's say your business is taking pictures of kids' basketball games, you know, on a thousand different kids. It'd be nice if you could email the parents with photos of their kids without having to go through them one at a time. Yeah, I was just going to bring that up, actually. I have a huge pile of family photos, and I store them all on OneDrive as a backup. Uh, but they're all badly categorized. They're all in just sort of random folders. They're not tagged or organized or, or even named in any useful way. Is this the sort of tool I could use to analyze my gigs and gigs of photos, or is there a different tool I should be using for that? I haven't tested its scale. I don't, I don't see why it wouldn't work. In fact, the idea of... The more data you have, the better it's going to be. The The tool itself is um, you get what you get. You know, you're, you're going to train it on your model and it'll use the criteria that is built into it at the time you're running it. Presumably that gets better as time goes on. If you want it to get better, you can write your own. There are you know, the tools in Azure that'll help you with that, like ML Studio, and ML Workbench, and uh, HD Inside Spark. But then that's more work. And that's that classic computer science trade-off. How much work do I want to do versus how much control do I want to have? You know, this is a nice, easy tool to use. But if you wanted more control over it to say, you know, I really want the eyes to be more emphasized in determining faces because I happen to have a group of people where they look really similar, but they all have different eyes, then that, that's something you could tweak a little bit. Or maybe you want to give some hints or things like that. And you mentioned that these are, you can call these via just a REST API via Azure. Is that correct? There's a REST endpoint and there's a few REST endpoints. So every step that I mentioned, creating a person group, uh, adding people to that group, uh, adding faces to, adding a face to a person, training group, each one of those steps is just simply calling a web service. And you'll get back an ID and you'll use that ID. For example, when you get back, when you create a new person, you'll get back a GUID that represents that person. When you add a face to a person, you'll pass that person GUID to it so it knows which face that uh, or which person that face is associated with. Are there any SDKs available for, say, .NET or Node or Java if I don't if I want to use that instead of REST? Yeah, there, there are a few of them. I think there's one for .NET and for Python, I think. But I'm, I'd have to I'd have to double check on that. Uh, there's probably there's probably one for Node. And there's, there's a lot of those four other cognitive services. All they are are wrappers right. for the REST API. So I tend not to use them. They're just uh, the the big thing they would give you is maybe strong typing. So that if you make a mistake with a spelling of a parameter, it would help with that. But there's I mean there's, it's such a simple call that I don't really know in this case that it buys you that much. Um, I'll tell you about a similar API. If I could talk talk about the the custom vision API, sure. which is really similar. This is for not just faces, but really for anything. Right now in the, the the cognitive services vision API, you can send it an image and it'll it'll tell you what's in it. It'll say, oh, this is a picture of the skyline of a big city or uh, a man sitting on a park bench, and it'll even recognize famous landmarks, the Empire State Building or Mount Rushmore. There are some things that it won't recognize, and you can build your own model to train on those. And most of the data that it uses to recognize comes from Bing Image Search, which is a lot of data, but it's not everything. For example, if you're using your, if you have a company and you're producing custom parts, well, Bing probably does, has never seen those parts. It doesn't really have information about them. Maybe you want to map those to SKUs. You can actually build a model and train on that. And that has that works really similar to the way that I created the, the or the way I described the the face API, the custom face API. You can go to customvision.ai and sign up for that. And in there, you can create projects which are similar to the face groups and add images to those groups and tag those images. And you can actually add multiple tags to a single image, and then train it to recognize what images are associated with what tags. 
Once you do that, then you get an endpoint. You get a REST endpoint, just a web service you can call, pass it a new image, one that's never seen before. It will give you a confidence level. Uh, you say, I think this is SKU number five. Or one example I used was uh, I was working with a towing company. They, they're, they're towing cars, and they, they have a mobile app to track. You know, I know, here I am. I'm on State Street in South 39th Street, and I'm going to tow this Cadillac Escalade. And they, they enter that information in as they tow it. Well, they wanted some way of verifying that the, the driver is towing the correct car. And so I set up Custom Vision API so that they could just call an endpoint. They could take a picture of the car and pass it in. And I trained it on uh, about 50 makes and models of cars. And so they say, oh, you know, this is uh, this doesn't look like a Cadillac Escalade. This is a Ford Mustang. Let's say, <laughs> what are you doing? And so it comes back with some information about it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm 85% sure this is a Cadillac Escalade. Easy mistake to make between a Mustang and an Escalade. Uh, you know, it's uh, when people are tired, they make all kinds of mistakes. <laughs> it's more of a confidence level. So even the computer can, a uh, Mustang and a Camaro look really similar. So you may get... Uh, oh, shots fired. A couple of tops. <laughs> From to the, uh, I'll say to the layperson, maybe. <laughs> and, and so uh, certainly they look they look more alike than they do to a Cadillac Escalade. <laughs> those, uh, but those kind of things you can uh, you could present both and say this is either a Mustang or a Camaro. At least it would, it would it would stop the person from tying and say you know maybe maybe it's that car over there. <laughs> what is the coolest thing about vision services or face recognition that I haven't asked you about yet? Coolest thing, uh, I, I like the uh, the ease of use of it is one. In fact, for the uh, the custom vision, there's actually a nice visual interface where you can just drag this thing up and dra- drag your images right into a web page, so you don't have to write any code. For the uh, for the facial recognition, I wrote a little web page where you could click a button and add a person and click another button and add some faces to that person. It's a little bit ugly because my my design skills aren't where they should be, but the custom vision one has a really nice, pretty interface for that. All right, I want to come back and ask you a few more questions, but now it's time to play the game that's sweeping the nation. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for your favorite game from Cross-Cutting Concerns, where the question is, is it a JavaScript framework or something we just made up? <laughs> now, here's your host, Matt Grove. Thanks, Joe. As you know, they give JavaScript libraries awfully funny names these days. In this game, I'm going to list three names of JavaScript libraries, and you have to tell me which ones are real and which ones are fake. Real means they're listed on npmjs.com at the time of this recording. And just to keep things interesting, if you get all three of them correct, you're going to win a $5 gift card. Whoa. Yeah. Are you familiar enough with JavaScript that you think you'd be good at this game? No, but uh, I'm good at random guessing. Okay. (laughs) So are you ready for the names? I'm ready, Matt. Okay, you're going to sense a theme here. So here's here's the first one. Legendary Pancake. <laughs> Second one is Corn Flakes. And the last one is Iced Coffee Script Brunch. <laughs> so we got a little bit of a breakfast theme here. Maybe I was hungry when I was doing this. Is this, uh, are they all true or all false? Or I have to pick each one. So it's any combination. They could all be real. They could all be fake. Or somewhere in the middle. Uh, let's see. I'm going to say Corn Flakes is real. Cornflakes is real. Okay. All right. Uh, if I get one wrong, I get I get nothing, right? right that's right. You got to get all three of them. All right. I'm going to say this third one is not real. So iced coffee script brunch is not real. And the first one I'll say is real. Legendary pancake is real. So just to recap, 
Legendary Pancake is real, Corn Flakes is real, and Iced Coffee Script Brunch is not real. That's my guess. I'm sorry, Mr. Giard, you did not win. Legendary Pancake is a real library. It is a static site generator. Okay, so I, I got that one right. Yeah, Corn Flakes is not. I just made that one up. Hmm. And Iced Coffee Script Brunch is real. Apparently, it adds Iced Coffee Script support to brunch. I don't know what either of those things are, but that's what it does. <laughs> So, sorry, better luck next time. Just a note to the listeners, I'm running out of names, so please send in your suggestions, <laughs> real or fake, to crosscuttingconcerns.com slash contact, and you might be featured on a future episode. Mm. Well, I'm sad I didn't win, but I'm comforted in knowledge that my brunch can now have some iced coffee automatically <laughs> added to it through JavaScript. <laughs> So back to cognitive services, are there any resources you'd recommend for listeners who want to learn more? Absolutely. So the very first place to go is the homepage. Homepage has a long URL, but I always shorten it to microsoft.com slash cognitive. Detailed documentation, uh, how to use it. There's the API, really every, every parameter, input and output parameter, the API is documented there. There's a testing console where you can just click a button and open up and put some parameters in and actually run tests on this. There are sample applications that you can download. There's sample code for each API in different languages. So if you're writing Python or PHP or curl or C sharp, you can see how to call each of these services on uh, my GitHub page, which is github.com slash David I have something called Cognitive Services Demos, and in there, there's uh, about a dozen or so demos written in C-sharp or in JavaScript, which will show how to call a lot of these APIs. Finally, actually, I have a, I've been writing about this a lot, so if you go to my blog, which is just my name, davidgr.com, I have a page just with all links to all the blog posts I've written about cognitive services. All right, excellent. I'm going to add those all to the show notes at crosscuttingconcerns.com. Is there anything else you'd like to promote as we wrap up the show? So uh, my show, it's, uh, it's recently moved to YouTube, but the easiest way to get it is at technologyandfriends.com. That will, uh, th- this is a show that I've had for a uh, little over eight years. I'm on episode 503 right now. Um, and I interview uh, some of really smart people in the world of technology, including yourself. Um, I'm, I'm very proud of this show. It's, it's a, the, simil- the format is really similar to your show, where I sit for about 15 minutes and talk to smart people about technology. The difference is that mine has video, so I only have good-looking people on my show. <laughs> for those are not aware, not regular listeners across Cutting Concerns, this, this show is absolutely influenced, and, and not, if not a direct ripoff of David's show, Technology and Friends. <laughs> So if you like this show, you should definitely be watching Technology and Friends. Thank you for saying so. Oh, I didn't say the name of the show. Technology and Friends is the name of the show. <laughs> Thank you. Is it, is it technologyandfriends.com? Is that correct? That's exactly right. Correct. And that'll, that'll point you to a YouTube page. That's where I've, I've just recently migrated everything to YouTube. My guest today has been David Giard. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. This has been the Crosscutting Concerns Podcast, produced and recorded by Matt Groves, 2018. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media and leave a review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you downloaded this podcast. For show notes, please go to crosscuttingconcerns.com. This episode is recorded under the Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. Hosting for this episode was made possible in part by Microsoft. This week's podcast is brought to you by Smartsheet. Are your projects pulled off like band-aids? You need Smartsheet. No more pain, just simple, collaborative work management in the cloud from a beautiful UI. Learn more at smartsheet.com slash crosscuttingconcerns. It was recorded and mixed with the help of Camtasia Recorder, Skype, and Audacity. 
Music is by Joe Ferg. Check out joeferg.com, J-O-E-F-E-R-G, to listen to more great music. Step up your code, stay on your toes. Step up your code, stay on your toes. Cross can concern with Matt Gross. But now it's time to play the game that's sweeping the nation. Oh, we're going to play curling?